recording. Good evening. Today is Wednesday, uh, December 6th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter and step is more about alcoholism, and our speaker tonight is Hillary. Thank you so much, Hillary. Take it away. Thank you so much. Thank you all so much. Thank you for asking me, Chanel. I'm not comfortable doing this, but I'm willing and it helps me to walk through it. So let me start the timer. So I'm Hillary and I'm a compulsive overeater and I'm in, I am recovered. That doesn't mean that I'm not still, uh, that doesn't mean I can eat my alcoholic foods. It means one day at a time, I don't have to pick them up and I don't white knuckle it. I it's lifted one day at a time. So as far as chapter three goes, these are the main ideas I got from uh, more about alcoholism. Um, I'm unwilling to admit I'm a real compulsive overeater. Yep, check. Someday I will control and enjoy my eating. Yep, many of us pursue this illusion into insanity or death for sure. I have to fully concede to my innermost self that I am a compulsive overeater and that's step one. Um, it is my delusion that I am like other people. Um, I'm not a distinct entity that's an entity that's allergic to certain foods. I have lost the ability to control my eating and I will never regain that control. I had to be convinced of that. I have felt that many times that I was regaining control or that I had regained control, but inevitably that was always followed by still worse relapse. Like most others, I have spent many years, actually four decades, uh, proving that I am an exception. Like many others before me, I did not have enough desire to stop while there was still time. And lastly, I have I can have no reservation nor any lurking notion like Frankenstein hanging there that someday I will be immune to my alcoholic foods. But I have had tons of reservations and lurking notions over the over the years. And Bill gives examples of the man of 30 who quit drinking until age 55. He was able to do that till he retired. And within four years of that, he, because he picked up thinking 25 years dry had cured him, he died. There's Jim who lost his business and knew he would lose his family too and would be locked in an asylum if he drank again. And he failed to enlarge his spiritual life because he only worked steps one, two, and three. And he drank when his life was not so great. But Fred, who had everything going for him, who thought self-knowledge would be his cure, he drank when his life was all going his way. And he was at the top of his game and had his family and everything. And then, of course, the Jay Walker example, um, who... Uh, as it compares to an alcoholic and it shows our insanity when it comes to eating. So I relate to all those and I'm going to tell you how. So for decades, I've been unwilling or unable 
to admit I am a real compulsive overeater. I wasn't heavy enough weight-wise. I could still pass for a normal overeater if people just saw me on the street. I was focusing on the few differences between myself and others in the meetings. I acknowledged some similarities and I wanted relief from that. Like once I started eating, I couldn't stop. I could not admit I couldn't stay stopped once I stopped. And yet every time I stopped, I couldn't stay stopped. But um, I kept thinking that day would come. That day's going to come. That day's going to come. This time it'll work. Yet once I started eating, I would stop before gaining too much weight. I can't exactly. Well, even though I felt and saw myself as fat. I believed I was mostly hiding that weight from others with my clothing and stuff. Um, and um, my mother was anorexic bulimic and she modeled binging and uh, starving for me, but I didn't uh, follow in her footsteps. She was always little tiny and she would, for days in a row, she would eat, she would drink coffee and she would eat a peach all day she'd eat one peach and she would eat have four ounces of hamburger patty every day for weeks. And then she would binge and binge and binge for days. Anyway, so my great obsession illusion is that somehow someday I will be able to control and enjoy my eating. But the truth that I wasn't able to see and I wasn't able to admit was that if I were controlling it, when I was controlling it, I wasn't enjoying it. In addition, I was only able to control my eating for brief periods of time. My control was always 100% of the time, followed by a still worse relapse, which, of course, always led to pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization, which drove me back into, oh, I need to work the steps again. Oh, I need to change sponsors. Oh, whatever. Something's going to fix me. But then again, with my meetings, which was for me, dieting with group support, just sharing each week my issues that were causing me to, to eat, like, um, uh, you know, poor me, I, I can't stand my husband, or poor me, I don't have a man in my life, or poor me, I'm just so fat, poor me, I can't get this program, whatever it was, I would just share that. And that would be why I thought I was eating. Um, so, but I could always convince myself over time, I just wasn't that bad because I compare with other people that had more weight to lose than me. It was all about that. And um, so when the pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization would come, I would just get over it. I would share my false hope in meetings, but I didn't know it was false hope. You know, uh, you know, I'm working on it. I'm going to get this. And I would be, I would lie in meetings, but I believed I was being brutally honest. I denial don't even know I'm lying. That was me. Um, and on page 31, it says by every form of self-deception and experimentation, I was able to prove myself an exception to the rule. But 
It was very strange how while I was telling myself I was an exception, I still went to meetings because I knew I had a problem. And I knew that inside me, there was incredible dysfunction. It was like I was the wizard in Oz telling myself, oh, pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. I'm okay. I'll just keep going to meetings with these other compulsive overeatings who are eaters who are obviously worse than I am. Uh, based on weight only. And I will be able to maintain because I'm just not as far gone. See the lies I was telling myself. And and this is embarrassing to say out loud. And I would tell myself, I am more spiritually evolved. And that's why I'm doing better than others, even though I'm not willing to go to any lengths. And I didn't even see that I was doing that. But I stayed with all that, with all that, that uh, judgmental stuff and thinking I was so great. I stayed judgmental. I stayed opinionated. I stayed unable to maintain my abstinence for any prolonged period. The absolute longest, longest, longest was six weeks. I I stayed angry, especially at people close to me. I stayed low energy, slothful, tired, depressed, because I was using zero nutrition food to change the way I felt and to stay in denial. Zero nutrition food, sweets, salty snacks, fast food. I lived on that stuff. I did work the steps a number of times and not just on the surface, in my opinion. I would go deep seeing my part in resentments. I'd forgive others and etc. However, my realization stayed so much on the intellectual level. And I didn't know that. And I thought that was curing me, was going to cure me. So my um, realizations were more informational and way less transformational. But my thoughts, my head, my disease told me I was being transformed or I was transforming myself probably is how I looked at it. And I like, like I had lots of self-knowledge and that I believed was fixing me just like Jim, I mean, uh, Fred, probably and Jim too. Also though, a faith grew and developed within me. I learned how to practice gratitude. Also, my sponsor had to take me by the hand and teach me little by slowly. He had to tell me, I'd say, well, what do I put on my gratitude list? He'd say, well, you have a loving daughter. I said, so everybody has a loving daughter. I swear to you, that's what I said. And he had to teach me how to be grateful. I've sponsored quite a lot of people in all these years I've been in recovery and not one single person has ever needed help from me to make a gratitude list. I'm the only one I know. (laughs) And also, um, also about growing spiritually, as I've learned through studying the big book and hearing a lot of other people share Lots of people have faith, but can't stay sober or abstinent because number one, faith without works is dead. Okay, well, I never really quite understood that, but I I, I sort of do today. But here's the bigger thing to me for my understanding. Faith without any understanding of the disease, as explained in the doctor's opinion, doesn't work because I never get hopeless or desperate. 
I can reek of faith and still use food. Trust me. And um, also why, why I, um, early in my eating career where I wasn't as addicted as I became recently or late, later was how could I ever give up the one thing that seems to bring me the most comfort in life, relief and um, um, change the way I feel? Why would I give that up if I, if I believed in my brain that I could still get away with it? And that's how I saw it. That's how I think I saw it. Look at the payoff I was getting I, from food. I got to change the way I feel. It comforted me. It enabled me to stay stuck in my superiority. It allowed me to hold on to my anger at and judgment of others. All those things that let me believe I was pretty highly evolved compared to others. My view of myself was so low in reality and I felt like such a loser and I always knew I wasn't good enough. So my only solution was to blow myself up like a pride in a prideful balloon and just be this amazing person yet believing I was remaining humble. <laughs> so I was so I was a mess. I was a mess. And as I'm as uncomfortable as it is sharing this with all you, as embarrassing and humiliating to see where I went with my disease, it's freeing to speak the truth. And that is my reality. It took me from age 30 when I went to my first OA meeting to age 71 and a half for me to see this reality I'm sharing with you. Why was I finally able to see some truth? Both the physical reality and the emotional reality drove me down low enough to hit a bottom of hopelessness and despair. My physical condition was going down, down, down with diabetes becoming more of a reality, cholesterol up to 300, seriously painful heartburn every day for three years. I couldn't figure out what was giving it to me. Everything gave it to me, of course. I was living on all that crap. And the worst of all, the darkness I was living in. I was in a dark cave where I didn't care about anyone or anything. I welcomed becoming decrepit from diabetes because then I there was less I would have to do because I wouldn't be able. And even thinking I would die gave me relief um, because life was just too hard, had become too hard for me. I was at a higher weight than I had ever even dreamed I'd be. And I was totally out of control with food. Food had fully taken over me. I was enslaved to my disease and I would do anything to hold on to it. I was trapped. No matter what relationships I had to let go of, including my grandkids, who are today only 15 months and two year, uh, th three years old and 15 months, I was and they bring me so much joy, but I was ready to give them up for food because I wasn't going to give up the food so I could be healthy enough to babysit them and hang out with them. And for sure, I couldn't stand my husband. Just like Jim and Fred, I had been counting on and believing that self-knowledge was going to heal me, and I ignored all evidence to the contrary. 
I said I couldn't stand my husband, but this is my third husband. I haven't been able to stand any of my husbands or any boyfriends either. I mean, if they cared about me, I didn't want them. I didn't like them. I picked them apart. While I was in that darkness, I heard about a step one powerless workshop that some of you have also heard of. And by then I believed, I knew in my heart that OA would not work for me. I had tried it for 40 years and it never fixed me. I was also pretty sure the workshop would not solve my problem either, but I was desperate enough to try that anyway. That's a gift that even though I knew it wouldn't work, I was willing to try it. I had to reach that point of desperation. Um, the program had failed me. That's all I was able to see. I went to this workshop in desperation and hopelessness and lo and behold, I started awakening, coming out of my darkness. I was shown what the disease truly was. I could actually hear what was being said and I heard what I needed to do to recover. I was finally able to concede to my innermost self that I truly was a compulsive overeater. I became miserable and desperate enough to... <laughs> I became miserable and desperate enough that I actually started wanting to live. Like that doesn't even make sense, but that's what happened. And um, and I even became willing to want to give up the food. Not that I believed I could give up the food, but for the first time in a very long time, I wanted to. I wanted to want to. I found Zoom meetings that were very strong and I got a sponsor who took me through the steps in the big book fairly quickly. I also studied the big book in the meetings and my mind continued to open to the willingness because I wanted what those recovered people in the meetings had. And also other people in OA sent me a lot of links to recordings that saved me, changed the way I saw things, um, corrected my vision. And um, today I have over seven months of abstinence and it has not been self-driven, white knuckling, but program-driven, sponsor-driven, and most of all, God-driven. And that has given me an abstinence and step work that is filled with revelations and growth. I wouldn't call the work comfortable. <laughs> I wouldn't call the revelations comfortable seeing what I'm really made up with, but it certainly has been rewarding and revelatory. And I don't have to hide who I am from myself by lying to myself. And it has made me want to maintain my abstinence for all the freedom from bondage I have received as a result. And I want to include this amazing miracle. After only three days of entire abstinence, three days, the darkness I was trapped in was magically, seemingly magically lifted. What was revealed to me was that the darkness was that I was drunk on food, completely wasted, just as if I had been drinking every day for three years. Food had totally taken over me, just like Ursula the sea witch and the little mermaid has captured and taken over her minions. They had no choice but to do her bidding. They were nothings. They had no anything, no will or anything. They had to just serve her. And I turned my will completely over to food. 
And that's why I was in such a dark place. I have one minute left. Maybe I can go over a couple of minutes. Also, I have finally learned what one day at a time truly, truly means. The 223 days I have is the success this program has bestowed upon me through today. And I celebrate that. And it makes me so happy that I have not eaten any alcoholic food for that long. However, if I want another day, I have to do the work in that day. I have to see myself as a newcomer every single day. Otherwise, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to fall back into that pattern of, oh, I have all this recovery. I've arrived. I'm healed. I got this. Bye. Every morning I wake up a compulsive overeater and I have to every day concede to my innermost self on a daily basis. Yesterday's work is done, but that work does not pay dividends in this day. I have not arrived and I never will. I get to be grateful for the success I have gotten to experience, but it's all a gift of my past work and willingness without doing what I need to do for today's work. I'm setting myself to lose everything I had gained. I'm not going to just lose, um, start eating and keep everything I have. The disease is permanent, progressive, and fatal. It never goes away. It always gets worse. And as I've proven to myself, it will kill me. Um, and I have to, you know what, I'm going to, I just ha was going to say what I do every day, but you guys already know, go to meetings, stay in, live in steps 10, 11, and 12. I have to remember my troubles are still of my own making. So I have, to, they aren't about anyone else. So I got to work through those and other people help me do that. And I have to attend meetings regularly. I, I go to a lot of meetings and I share in meetings, even though I'm not comfortable sharing. And even though I feel like I have nothing meaningful to share, I take a deep breath, give it to God and open my mouth. Thank you for listening. That's way more than enough out of me. <laughs> I love this chapter. Thank you, Hillary. Thank you for your time and your sharing, your insight. Really appreciate it. Uh, we will now open the meeting for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions sh should relate specifically to the chapter and step uh, being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or star nine if you're on the phone. I will call the raised hands in order and the Zoom host will ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time's up? If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. So we will begin our sharing with Claudine. Go ahead. Hi, I'm Claudine, recovered compulsive eater in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, Hillary, thank you so much for your share. It was really related to so much of it. Um, when you talked about how the program failed you, that is where I got after 10 years. I just thought it, it has completely let me down knowing that I didn't do anything. I didn't try. I didn't do anything, but still blaming people and, you know, and thinking, having so much contempt for the people that said they were recovered because I 
invented the truth that they were just liars. They found their willpower again and went around saying, I'm recovered. And what I really was, was I, I had so much envy and self-hatred and, you know, I would pray for the willingness and think, well, God, God hasn't done it yet. I'm not willing yet. I'll just keep asking him, but, but with no action. And then also when you talked about, um, you know, pretty much leaning into diabetes and how that would make you immobile. I mean, you know, there were so many mornings when I would wake up and think, oh, I lived. And that's such a terrible thing to say, to take life for granted like that. But that's just really where I was, just waking up in that hell every morning thinking, I've done it again, and this is my life. But then just the radical change that this program has bought me, brought me and waking up and actually meaning the thought, thank you for the breath in my lungs. I mean, it's just, it's just blows me away what God does in this. And so I completely understand. And, you know, you talking about the things you thought and said and did and all those things, we've all done it. I mean, we all just are horrified by the realizations of, of the things we did just to hang on to our God of food, you know, and it, and it just, it took us down. Thank God, because now we're not in it anymore. But I, I just really appreciate um, what you talked about in your vulnerability and authenticity. So thank you so much. I'll pass. Thanks for sharing, Claudine. And Chanel, you're up next. Thank you. Hi, I'm still Chanel. I'm still a grateful compulsive eater. And I just want to thank you, Hillary. Thank you for bringing that chapter to life as you wove it into your own experience, strength and hope. And that's, that's what we do on this meeting. And um, I, I remember seeing you come in. I remember it, come back in. I remember it well. I remember when you first shared and, and you were saying, and I forgot to set my timer. I'm not going to be three minutes though, but um, I just remember you coming in and I remember thinking something about this gal. There's a spark there. She doesn't really want to be here, but she's got a spark in her. It's there. And, and I didn't know you were a total firecracker at that point, but uh, which is a compliment, but um, I just, and then you would reach out to me sometimes or vice versa. And I'm like, oh, I just, yeah, there's something about this gal. You just, you, you're a fighter, but in this case, you gave up the fight and just said, okay, God, <laughs> whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to do. That's what I saw in you. That's what I see in you. And now look how that's, where that's taking you. It's taking you to where God is using you every higher power, whatever anyone wants to call. I just happen to call my higher power God is using you every single day to help others, right? Who knew? Because of a food problem? What? No, it's a life problem, right? Food was the solution. It's just so amazing to me when I see this and people, I haven't been in that long, you guys. So for the people who've been in longer than me, you know what I'm talking about. So thank you so much, Hillary. That's all I've got. Thanks. Thanks, Chanel. And Karen, you're up next. Hi, I'm Karen Keg, um, calling in from Virginia. And Hillary, thank you so much. I could identify with 
like so much of your story. Um, I came in at 21 or 22 and um, I'm 52 and I've just have about, I mean, I've, I had a relapse, but I recommitted to this or really committed fully to the program about four years ago. Um, and so, you know, I used to always say like, you know, OA didn't work for me um, when actually I didn't work OA. Um, I was showing up to meetings like you talking about issues, all the reasons why I was eating and people were nodding their heads and yes. And, um, and praying for willingness. That was like a tagline for me, just praying for willingness. But meanwhile, like would leave the meeting and, and go eat somewhere and having eaten on the way to the meeting. Um, and spent a lot of time trying to identify out, um, y'all are, y'all have a bigger problem than I do, you know, like my weight hadn't gotten to, um, morbid obesity at that time. Um, I was managing, um, but I knew that something was wrong. And so I kept coming back. I knew that I identified with, with everybody. I wanted what you all had, but I did not want the solution that you were sharing with me. Um, I wanted what I thought would be an easier, softer way. Um, I also could really relate to, um, I really appreciate you being so honest and sharing, you know, that you're willing to choose food over your grandchildren. Um, I chose food over my own children and, um, it is so painful, so painful. Um, but I gratefully, um, got recovered when they were seven and nine and, um, and I'm, you know, I, I just live in the present now moving forward. And, um, but yeah, that's, I did that too. Um, I, um, I also similarly was in and out of the rooms and I live in Virginia. A friend of mine said, Hey, there's this retreat up in New Jersey, come up. Um, and I, it's like, I wanted it, but I, but I didn't, I was dying. And I was like, I guess I'll give it one last try. Let's go up to, you know, up to New Jersey. And I heard the message differently. I don't know why, I don't know how, but I heard the message differently. Um, got connected with a sponsor and that was sort of like my, like, I'm going to die. I'm desperate. I'm over 300 pounds. I can barely fit in the car to go up to New Jersey. Um, and I heard the message differently. And I'm so grateful today for my higher power, which I finally like, oh my gosh, so many years. I was like, no, no, no higher power. I don't want higher power. Um, but for today, I'm so grateful for my higher power. I'm grateful for this fellowship, for my friends and this program. And um, thank you thankful for everybody showing up today and doing service and I pass. Thank you, Karen and Carolyn, you're up next. Hi everybody. I'm Carolyn. I'm a grateful recovering compulsive overeater um, uh, and sugar addict. And I also don't like to share, but I heard your message and I decided that I would um, and I got so much out of your story. Um, I think my journey was very similar. I also came in at a very young age and at the time they were doing gray sheet, which some of you may remember. I, I don't know much about it, except it was a very strict program. And I was like, I'm not having any of that. Now I'm 57 and I came in uh 
what, six months ago, maybe? And I've been recovering for four. So I'm pretty excited about that. And um, anyway, I just wanted to thank you for your share. I really got a lot out of it. That's all I have to share. Thanks, Carolyn. And Joanna, you're up next. Hi everyone, I'm Joanna. I'm a compulsive overeater and orthorexic in New Jersey. Um, thank you so much um, for your share and thank you everybody giving service. Um, I really could relate to a lot of the things that were said. I liked what you said about how, I think you said something along the lines of you were so depressed you wanted to live <laughs> or something like that and I feel like I hit that at a certain point and yeah when you're in the food every day just feels so long and so painful and like feeling like unable to stop and just almost like accepting fate and I'm just yeah really glad I'm not in that for today and you were also sharing a lot about how you really need to just focus on today I'm somebody that's very you know thinking about the past trying to create a future that I don't even know if it's gonna happen or not yet <laughs> um and that's honestly a big part of the reason why I binge is like I'm so anxious about things and I'm trying to like you know I, I just want to have control and control is an illusion <laughs> and yeah that's why I need to just trust that there is something bigger than me that has things figured out and that I don't have to and I very clearly don't have things figured out when I'm on my own because um I've had like a lot of really bad eating episodes that that was me doing the best that I could <laughs> um left to my own devices that's where I landed so yeah thank you so much I will pass thank you for sharing Joanna 